Can we give the band uh, just a hand for leading us? Thank you, thank you for the presence of Jesus uh, in this place. You guys can uh, take a seat for a quick moment. Um, I thought I would take uh, the moment to kind of hijack the service for a moment. And uh, my name is Jamie, and I'm the assistant pastor, the worship pastor here at Crosspoint. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome our South Campus who are tuning in right now. And um, just uh, we're going to be we're going to give in a moment. Uh, we're going to worship through the way in which we give back to God just in a few moments. So I want you to kind of prepare your heart for that. And our ushers are going to prepare to come down the aisles in a moment. Um, but just want to say a quick word uh, from our staff. Um, October apparently is Pastors Appreciation Month. Um, many of you have given us um, gifts. You've written us cards. You guys, uh, some of you had made us all 10 pounds heavier with all the junks that you've given us for staff meeting on Tuesdays. Um, so we just want to, on behalf of uh, all the staff at Crosspoint, North Campus, South Campus, thank you so much. Um, we feel appreciated. Um, now that being said, you can't uh, properly appreciate staff without um, fantastic volunteers, without uh, an incredible congregation who support you as a pastor, without our volunteers, without the people that we get to do ministry with, we don't, we don't need appreciation. Uh, there is no congregational appreciation month, I'm sorry, um, but you guys share that with us. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone here on staff to say thank you so much for what you do for Crosspoint, for the city of Fredericton, uh, and for the kingdom. So thank you. Why don't you give yourselves uh, a hand for a moment? Now, along that same uh, line for a moment, uh, we as a staff, we don't get a, a chance, at least in a public forum like this, very often to get to appreciate our pastor. And um, so we thought we would actually hijack the service for a moment to take a, a, a liberty uh, and take a moment for us to appreciate our pastor. We do this together as a staff. Uh, we support Mark and his vision for Crosspoint, uh, every single ounce of it, 101% of it. Um, but he goes above and beyond all of the stuff that you have no idea what he does. You guys don't see a big portion of what our pastor does in our lives. And you don't get to see how he speaks for us and into us. You don't get to see how he prays for us. And so we want to take a moment. We're going to kind of bypass a little bit um, what we typically do for prayer here on a weekend service. Um, and we want to pray for our pastor. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get, Mark doesn't know we're doing this, but we're going to get him to come on stage right now. Um, can you guys give your pastor a little bit of appreciation as he comes? Yeah. It's not very often that we get to do something like this. And so I'm going to call him on stage. Uh, I'm going to call our staff and uh, their spouses to come on stage and join me. And what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on our pastor. Um, I probably not a lot of you get an opportunity to say that your boss is also your best friend. Uh, we get to do that. And, um, and so I want you guys to join us in this. South Campus, you are in on this as well. As we lay hands on Mark, 
And as we pray a special blessing on he and Liz and their family, South Campus, I want you to extend your hand to the screen right now. And just in a an act of solidarity uh, for your pastor. Church North Campus right now, I want you to extend your hand as we pray for Mark. You can do that, right? We can do that. So, so let's do that together as, uh, as a church staff. Why don't you lay a hand on him? God, we are a blessed church. Uh, we give you all credit, honor, and glory for everything that happens here for every changed life for every baptism for for every salvation we give you the credit however we have an incredible leader who is so in tuned to that same vision that you have given this church and leads with such passion and fervor and so God we just want to take this moment to thank you for the blessing that you have given us through Pastor Mark, through he and his wife, through their example as a couple, as, as, um, as partners in crime in all of this. Heavenly Father, we ask that this coming year that you would just, you would just bless them in an unimaginable way. God, that you would speak and move in their lives in a way that just completely overwhelms them with a sense of who you are, with your presence, with your love, with your generosity, with your compassion, with your provision. Father, we, we ask for special riches on their life, God, that they would be so filled with you and that they would be so filled with who you are, God, that we as as his, as his sheep in a lot of ways, that we would receive the overflow of the blessing and of the outpouring of the spirit that you put on his life. So God, we just ask you right now to even fill him in this moment with more of you, God, that he would empty himself and that he would continue to feel empowered and encouraged by more and more of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in the, in the, the victorious powerful, life-changing name of Jesus Christ. And all the church agreed and said, amen. amen. Can we give him one more hand? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for... Uh, thank you for that. Uh, every ounce of it is deserved, whether you know it or not. And uh, so we thank Mark for his leadership and, uh, and us as a staff. We thank you for being a part of what God is doing here at the church. And we just call it a privilege to honor him uh, in that little way. Uh, we are going to continue to give. And so our ushers are going to come forward both here at the North Campus. Our ushers are going to come forward at the South Campus. And, just, and as you guys prepare your hearts for, for the word, we just ask that you would just prepare your heart to worship in this way. And uh, so as our ushers come forward, we're going to ask that you can direct your eyes uh, to the screen as the buckets go by in both campuses as you prepare your heart for a word from Pastor Matt.
That was quick. How are you guys doing? Man, not off to a good start. Look at this. Dropped my notes already. How's everybody doing? How's everybody? I, I know you're doing better than that. How's everybody doing? Thank you. I'm so stoked to be here with you. Hello to South Campus. Isn't God so cool that he is outside of time that we can do church tonight, but do church tomorrow at 10 a.m. across the river in the theater? I think that's really cool. So shout out to South Campus. We love you guys. So glad that you're tuning in. Like Jamie said, my name is Matt, and I am the kids pastor here at Cross Point. And I know what you're thinking. They let the kids pastor preach. I thought the same thing, to be 100% honest with you, but I'm so stoked to be up here with you guys sharing from God's word. And so we're going to take a look, and we're going to close up our secret identity series tonight, and I'm really excited to be with you. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Thank you. I'm feeling great already. This is going to be so much fun. When Ashley and I first got married, my beautiful wife is over here. She's pregnant again. I know it's crazy. But when we first got married, and we had our first house together, um, I started getting mail. And I know that's like super simple and silly, but I really love getting mail, especially when that mail's at my own house. Like, it's just a cool thing. Like, you're an adult and you're getting mail. That's not bills. So one day I got this piece of mail in the mail, and it was addressed to Sir Matthew Faringer. Sir Matthew Farringer, and I thought, that's me. Yes, Sir Matthew Farringer, I will take this letter, I will open it, because it definitely belongs to me. And already, some of you have the red flags. Some of you know exactly what's going on. I, however, am gullible and sometimes a little slow. So I didn't know what was going on, so I opened the letter, and there was a nice official letterhead at the top from a Nigerian lawyer. Again, you guys are laughing because you know exactly what's going on. I don't. So I continue to read the letter. At this point, most of you have already ripped it up and thrown it away. I continue to read, and essentially, the letter goes on to say that I am inheriting some great amount of money from a Nigerian prince that I am somehow related to. And then there's a little bit at the bottom that says, go online to this website and put all in your information in. So I run for the computer. And thankfully, at this time, Ashley comes in and she says, Matt, this is a scam. This isn't real. You're not getting any money. You're not Nigerian royalty. This is just a way to get you to give your credit card information so that they can steal your money. I think I was mostly mad at Ashley for breaking the news to me because I really wanted it to be true. Way back in 2001, there was a movie that came out, a Disney movie, love Disney. Disney movie that came out about a young girl in high school, who was kind of run-of-the-mill, you know, frizzy-haired, glasses, had the braces, not very popular, and then all of a sudden something crazy happened. Let's take a look. It was going to be on the screen. The tea is served, ma'am. Amelia. Have you ever heard of Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi? No. He was the crown prince of Genovia. Hmm. What about him? Edouard Christophe Philippe Gerard Rinaldi was your father. <laughs> yeah, sure. My father was the prince of Genovia. Uh-huh, you're joking. Why would I joke about something like that? No, 
No, because if he's really a prince, then I... Exactly. You're not just Amelia Thermopolis. You are Amelia Mignonette Thermopolis Rinaldi, Princess of Genovia. Me? A, a princess? Shut up! I beg your pardon? Shut up. Your Majesty, in America, it doesn't always mean be quiet. Here it could mean wow, gee whiz, golly wallies. Oh, I, I understand. Thank you. Nevertheless, you are the princess. And I am Queen Clarice Rinaldi. Why on earth would you pick me to be your princess? Since your father died, you are the natural heir to the throne of Genovia. That's our law. I'm royal by marriage. You are royal by blood. You can rule. Rule? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Now you have really got the wrong girl. I never lead anybody. Not at, not at brownies, not at campfire oh, girls. I... Um, Queen Clarice, my expectation in life is to be invisible. And I'm good at it. Yes, that is The Princess Diaries, and I am ashamed to admit how many times I've watched that movie. But could we imagine just for a minute if this happened to us, if this was real life, the letter from the Nigerian prince, our estranged grandmother from some weird country called Genovia came into our lives and said, there's a bigger plan than what you expect. There's more to your life and your expectations in life than anything you could ever imagine. The reality is we're often, I, speaking for myself, we're often so pessimistic and so negative thinking when it comes to our own lives and the trajectory of our lives that we could never imagine that something so cool, first of all, and so life-impacting could happen to somebody like us. We think that anything great, anything cool, anything that's going to impact other people is way outside of the realm of what we're doing in our own lives. And here's the thing, and this is what we've been talking about these last few weeks as we talk about what our secret identity is, our new identity in Christ. And this is kind of the overarching theme that when we start to think about ourselves, the way that God thinks about us, we've got victory over the enemy. When we start to believe the things that, we, that God believes about us, we stop believing that we're not enough. We stop believing that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, we're not wealthy enough, we're not popular enough. The list could go on and on, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, we're not enough. We stop believing that and we start believing and seeing ourselves the way that God in Scripture sees us. And so we're going to take a look at our second, or first Peter chapter two, verse nine, uh, scripture again, one last time. Does anybody have this memorized? Anybody memorize it this month? You know, the kids downstairs are getting the prize bucket tonight because it's memory verse weekend. I should have brought it for incentive. So let's take a look. When you see the bolded words, I want you to shout it out like you believe it, right? Like you know it. Ready? Ready? Yes. You are a chosen people. Awesome. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are such a good and loving God that you have called us here tonight on a Saturday night in October to learn what it is that you would have to say to us. God, that we would have insight into how you see us, how you think of us, and how you love us. And God, I pray that your spirit would begin even now transforming our heart and minds to be more like you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're taking a look tonight at the part in the scripture that says you are royal priest. We've talked the past few weeks about being a chosen people, being holy people, being God's possession. We're going to talk tonight about what it means when Peter is saying you are royal priest. Now I'm a bit of a theology nerd and I spent a lot of time and money and blood, sweat, and tears learning Greek and Hebrew in Bible college. So I figured if I'm going to have the chance to use it, I'm going to try to use it. So when I'm looking at scripture and when I'm studying, I want to go see what the original language says. And this is written in Greek. So I go back to all my Greek tools, which really is BibleHub.com. It's a great tool. It's nothing significant. It's free. So I go to BibleHub.com expecting something really cool to come out of these words. And so I look up the word royal. And so I want you to say this with me. This is the Greek word for royal. It says basileos. Your turn. And guess what it means? Royal. Great. Okay, so I look at priest. Say this with me. This one's hard. Hieratuma. Guess what that means? Priest. Royal priest. So nothing super significant. So I moved on, and here we are right now talking about what it means to be royal priest and the implications that this verse has in our lives. Royal priest. God is saying, you are royal priest. Your life, what you think you know of it, is going to change drastically. And here's what's so important. Your history does not determine your royalty. I'm going to say that again. Your history does not determine your royalty. When we look at, like, earthly kings and queens, they usually have a bloodline that stretches back for thousands of years, or they marry into a royal family. And so they think that their history or their choices have any kind of say in what their royalty looks like. But when it comes to Jesus, it has nothing to do with how he calls us royal. Regardless of your past decisions, regardless of your family name, whatever it might mean and wherever you could trace it back to, that does not determine your royalty. Because the very moment, the very moment that you put yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ, scripture says you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.12 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Praise Jesus, right? In the next chapter in 2 Corinthians 6.18 we read, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Everything has changed. You are new creation. Paul often uses the terminology of dying to self or killing off of the old self. You don't just take it off and put it on the shelf for a later date. It's dead. It's gone. You are a new creation in Jesus. And so your past, your decisions, your family name, or even the expectations you have for yourself moving forward in life don't matter because you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. If you were to trace my name, 
Does anybody do the Ancestry.com or TraceYourFamilyTree.org? I don't know what's out there. Anybody do that? Anybody pay the money to do that? No. Yeah, if you trace my name back, this is a great opportunity. We're going to learn how to say my name because it's a weird name. I know. And so we're going to say it together. My name is Matthew Faringer. Say that with me, Faringer. Yeah, that's good. I've gotten some weird weird pronunciation, so it's Faringer. But if you were to trace that back in my family history, you'll find out that I'm descended of some really nice, are you ready for this? Farmers. <laughs> farmers from Germany. Poor farmers from Germany. That's where I come from, so nothing significant. Some of you in this room might actually be connected to royalty. Natalie, Pastor Natalie, is actually related to Celine Dion. It's a fun fact. It's a true fact. So some of you might think that is connected to royalty. But some of you have no idea. Some of you have really estranged relatives that, you know, fought in a war or did something great. Or maybe you're just like me and you're descendant from a bunch of farmers from Germany. But the very moment, the very moment that I said yes to Jesus, all of that changes. He calls me his son. He calls you his sons, his daughter, and we have the access to call him Abba, Father. And I share in his royal bloodline, not because of my family name, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the new creation that he has made me. Your history does not determine your royalty. Second thing is your inheritance, if we're thinking about coming into a royal family, your inheritance is much more than money and estate and vacation houses and private jets or any of those things that we might think of when we think of an earthly king or queen. Usually those are the first things that pop into our mind. Even the power and the authority that we have over people. But I assure you that your inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High King, the one true King, Jesus, is insurmountably greater than the inheritance of any earthly king or queen. Jesus makes his promise in John 14. He says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I. I have told you these things before they have happened, so that when they do happen, you will believe. Now, you have to remember that Jesus is talking to a group of predominantly Jewish people. They are trained in the Old Testament law. They are memorizing it. They are taught it every week. So they are very Jewish thinking, or for lack of better terms, are very Old Testament thinking. And I could spend the next two hours, probably more, discussing with you the intricacies of the Old Testament temple and the design that God very uh, in intentionally laid out and the role of the priests and what they were to wear and how they were to make their sacrifices. But that's not why we're here today. We're here today to talk about what it is right now that God has for us. So here's the extremely abridged version. Okay, so I'm going to cut this down. Years of study, years of writing books and pages. I'm going to cut this down to a few minutes. The temple in the Old Testament was the dwelling place of God. 
And there was a very specific place in the temple called the Holy of Holies in which the actual spirit of God resided. And it was hidden, hidden behind a veil, a curtain, big silk curtain that nobody could get through. And then priests had an almost all access pass into the temple. And they stood in the gap between God and man. So man would bring their sacrifices to the priest. The priest would take the sacrifices to God. God would atone for the sins, and the priest would come back and say that over the people's lives. So very abridged version, I know, but you have to understand that this is what's going through the mind of the disciples when Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You can imagine the the shocked and confused look on their faces because they follow very strict rules when it comes to going in and out of the temple and how they offer their sacrifices. People actually die if they don't follow those rules. And Jesus wants to unleash this from the temple and give it to his followers. You following along? Jesus wants to unleash this and give this to his disciple. And that's exactly what Jesus does as he draws his last few breaths on the cross. It says in Luke 23, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. That very curtain, that veil that separated God from man was torn down the middle by the work of Jesus on the cross. And now we have access. Because of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice for our sins, the barrier, the both physical barrier in the temple and the spiritual barrier that stood between God and man has been destroyed by Jesus' acts. And it gives us direct access to God the Father because of the work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, that gift that Jesus promised 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple? You're the temple of God, and the Spirit of God now lives in you. Not in the temple. In you. God will destroy anyone who destroys the temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The very moment that we say yes to Jesus is the very same moment we inherit the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit, the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the very same spirit that gives us the faith that we have today. But what does all of that mean? What does that mean for us right now? You see, we talked about the priest in the temple, and you see that there was a bit of an exclusiveness to who could actually access God. God was with his people and he dwelt with them, but there was a bit of a, uh, an exclusiveness when it came to the priests in the temple and to their duties. And now, because of what Jesus did, because he calls us royal priest, that priesthood is no longer exclusive. I'm a, I'm a stats kind of guy. I like when numbers make sense and when they tell a story. And if you were to look on any given weekend at the number of people that are actually doing ministry in this church, there are very few paid pastoral staff. The number actually works out to about a ratio of 10 to 1, one being the pastor. 
So there's a group of people that are running this church on a weekend, whether it be in the band or the media booth or first impressions floating in the, the foyer or outside or at coffee, praise Jesus for coffee, or with kids. They're the ones that are doing the ministry of the church with only a few pastors here. And it's not because we're lazy. It's not because there's too much for us to do. It's because that we are all called to be priests. We're all called to be pastors. We're all called to be the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very famous. The Great Commission says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's good news. I'm with you always. But that go and make disciples is not just meant for the disciples that are sitting around Jesus. It's a go command for all of us. Anybody that calls Jesus Lord, that's our responsibility now to go and make disciples of Jesus. It includes both you and me. Now, does God still specifically call people? Yes. We see it throughout the Bible with Moses and Elijah and David and the prophets, major, minor. We see it with Paul and the 12 initial disciples, there are very specific calls. He called me. I'm very confident in my call to ministry. But here's the thing. If I wasn't a pastor, if I didn't have the REV dot before my name, I still can and should be making disciples. I still can and should be making the disciples. And that goes for anybody on staff. And that goes for anybody in this room. We should still be making disciples. And we can. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful privilege that we get to have. That Jesus doesn't just set apart a few to give them the kind of honor that it is to lead somebody to him. But he calls us all to do it. And he gives us the power and the strength and the wisdom and the right words to say at the right time to do it. So that we can go and be priests in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, with our friends. Whatever situation God might find you in right now. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15 says, but thank God. He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphs, possessions. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. The very moment that I said yes to Jesus is the very moment that he called me to go and make disciples. The very moment he called me to be a spiritual leader in my house, with my friends, whatever situations I might find myself in. And it's the very moment that he gifted me with the Holy Spirit to do so. It's a taunting task. But he called us and he equipped us to do so. He's calling you right now. He's calling you a royal priest or a royal priestess. He speaks that over your life regardless of where you come from, regardless of your decisions in life, regardless of where you may or may not have gone to school, regardless of where you may or may not work, what your income looks like, what your IQ level looks like. He calls you right now a royal priest. 
You are a new creation in Jesus Christ, bought into the royal family of God because of Jesus' blood. And you have access to the Spirit. You have access to that very same exact Spirit that split the Red Sea. The same exact Spirit that shut the mouths of lions, that conquered nations. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is living within us right now. And he's calling us. He's calling us to go and make disciples. He's equipping us and strengthening us and empowering us to go into the world to say that this is my Jesus. This is what Jesus did for me. And this is what Jesus wants to do for you. So what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the lies that you're not enough, smart enough, wealthy enough, popular enough, whatever it is, enough? Are you going to give in to that and live in fear? Or are you going to choose to believe the things that Jesus says about you are true? That you are chosen, very specifically. That you are bought with the blood of Jesus, not because God feels guilty and he wants to make us feel better, but because he wants to be in right relationship with you and me, that he calls you holy set apart calling you to accomplish something much bigger than you could imagine Jesus I thank you for your word I thank you for the things that you think and believe about us and God I pray that we would think and believe in the same way God, that regardless of our history, regardless of our choices, regardless of the things that we've said or done in the past, regardless of our family name and what, that th- what we think that means, regardless of the things that we might think are coming for our future, God, you still call us royal. You call us sons and daughters, and you give us the power of your Holy Spirit to accomplish the things that you have called us to do. You give us the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome the lies, the anxiety, the depression, whatever it is in our life, God, that you give us that power and we have access to you in a way that we could never imagine. That the God of the universe would want to have relationship with me, with us, sitting in this room right now. You've set us apart and you call us to something greater, to accomplish the ministry of your gospel so that the whole world might say and confess the name of Jesus. May we walk in that confidence as we leave from this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.